I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Purple Row podcast for and by Rockies fans. Hey guys, welcome back to Affected by Altitude. I am Becca Gillen, and today I'm joined by Adam Peterson. Um, first of all, sorry it's been a while. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit in a second, but how are you doing, Adam? Uh, well, other than these allergies that are uh, apparently tree pollen is attacking now, and it which is nice because it's not a murder hornet, but uh, but it's still rather inconvenient. Other than that, I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, still working from home, living my life in a tiny apartment in Denver, but surviving. Uh, but thank you for joining me. Ben is still busy doing a few other things so he will not be joining us today and like I mentioned earlier we are so sorry that it's been a minute um, since we've done a podcast but we actually recorded one in May and it was a great episode was really excited about it one of our best and my yeah I really it was a lot of fun we talked a a little bit about things besides baseball which is great um, but my computer decided to eat my audio file, so it's a lost episode in space, and I'm so sorry that you guys don't get to hear the fun that we had. Yeah, I- I'm sorry, too, for everyone else out there. Um, but I still had a good time, so it wasn't a complete loss. Yeah. Yeah, we had a great conversation, and now things are very different. Um, here we are a little more than a month later. Uh, we were we talked a little bit about whether or not we thought baseball was coming back, and now we can talk about that a little bit more because I know we all miss baseball. I do. I enjoy watching some of like the replay games that we see, but it's not quite the same. There's no mystery ending. We don't know how the game's going to go when it's a game we've already seen. So I know we all miss baseball, and we're all very eager for it to come back. Which leads us to the discussion of all of the various proposals that have come from Major League Baseball to the Major League Baseball Players Association and how it's caused a pretty big riff in the baseball community between fans. I mean, we all have our own opinions and how it's created a a division between players and owners. What are your thoughts on how all that's gone down, Adam? Yeah, I... um... I have a bit of a different take on everything, I think, and I think it's because of uh, just some cynicism that's grown in me watching this whole thing play out. Um, You know, whenever we get into things with uh, players and owners, uh, you start hearing these uh, kind of these tropes, for lack of a better word, of, well, it's, you know, millionaires versus billionaires and who cares, or... Well, they're getting paid to play a kid's game, so they should just suck it up and take it. Um, and uh, Renee Decker wrote a really great article, like kind of countering all those um, cliches, tropes, whatever you want to call them, 
and kind of kind of giving a uh, a little bit more context to like hey like that's not necessarily the best way to think about these things like and if you really think about them it makes more sense to side with the players and fight for for them to get whatever they can which uh you know i think she made a lot of good good points in there um but again, this is probably just the cynic in me. Maybe it's the contrarian in me. But like, I had a slightly different take. I I kind of feel like we need to reject the players versus owners uh, narrative a little bit because it's uh, because it's tired and um, and my biggest reason is it just leaves too many people out. Uh, if we focus on players versus owners, we leave out the fact like, okay, where are the fans in this and where are the people who work in the front offices and in the stadiums and who like aren't represented by the union, but also like aren't really included with uh, the ownership. Um, And I just, so I just think that narrative just leaves too many people who are too important to this whole enterprise out of the conversation. I see both sides of, or I, I definitely see like both arguments, like the players versus the owners or, you know, the the fans, the front office staff, the the grounds crew, all of these people who aren't represented by a union also being affected, who don't really have the voice in the players versus owners debate. But like it's it's so hard because I see both sides of things. Like, you know, you have the whole argument of like the owners are saying they're gonna lose significant amount of money and not be able to pay these other employees potentially, but then they're refusing to like open their books to the union to show like, these are the problems. So like, that was like a whole big issue. And then like, yeah, like the fans and all of the other people are severely affected. Like we're all losing our minds a little bit without sports in general. And all of us want baseball to come back. All of the fans miss the sport, but this is also like all of these arguments also just like weigh on us as fans to like say like, well, who do I really side with? Like Renee's point was fantastic. And I personally do agree with a lot of the points that she made, but like, it's just so hard to, to find a, a happy place. Cause it, all of the arguments and all of the back and forth definitely weighs on the fans and kind of makes us like, okay, like we're just worn out and tired of hearing everyone argue. So it just makes things frustrating. So I see both sides and I appreciated her perspective as well as your perspective on everything. It's just, it's yeah. so daunting just in general to deal with this entire situation. Yeah. It's, it's really kind of infuriating, honestly. And again, that's kind of where I come at with my perspective of, um, why I kind of reject that narrative because it's like, well, clearly whatever I contribute to the conversation matters little. Um, because no one's asking me my opinion. And frankly, no one's really asking the broader public their opinion either. You know, um, I, it was either Buster Olney or uh, Jason Stark, like, you know, one of those big national writers who just started uh, doing, he wrote an article that was like, here's everything that the union and the players are throwing away uh, by not coming to an agreement. And he just got to the point where he was just tweeting out the same article every day. Because it is frustrating, it is aggravating. Like to say nothing else of everything else that is happening in the world with the pandemic and with uh, protests and legislation and all these things. Like even just focusing on baseball, it's exhausting to focus on baseball, which is sp- supposed to be something that takes us at least a brief reprieve from all these other things. Uh, now, 
with the pandemic, like it's, it's not going to give us a reprieve because even if we do get games, it's going to be pretty obvious that something's not the same. Uh, but yeah, it, it's just, it's exhausting. And that, and that was part of the reason why I, I <clears throat> wanted to reject the narrative of, well, it's the players versus the owners. Um, because yeah, cause it didn't seem like either side was terribly interested, which brings me to my next point is on Sunday, the players association kind of came out with a statement that said, look, we don't think that you're negotiating in good faith. So whatever we, one of the few things we agree about in this agreement that we came to together, which side note, like let's talk about how the biggest divide between the players of the and the owners right now is based on an interpretation of an agreement that they came to together, like two months, two, three months ago, like, Let's leave that irony aside. One of the few things that they agreed on was, well, it's within the commissioner's purview to just institute a season. So the association was like, you know what? Fine. Just tell us when and where, and we'll be there, and we'll play. Um, Now, obviously, there's plenty of other hurdles that would have to be uh, leapt over in order to get to the, well, tell us when and where. But it was a brilliant move. Um, it was probably not the first smart thing that the association has done, but the most smart thing that they've done in this whole negotiation because um, it puts the owners on the back foot. Um, and uh, one of the columnists in the Denver Post earlier this week uh, commented on it like it, it forced uh, Rob Manfred into the Uh, position of this sideshow Bob character from the Simpsons, just stepping on rakes on behalf of the owners. (laughs) Right. Um, And so it got, and lo and behold, it worked like it brought Tony Clark, uh, the head of the union and Rob Manfred, you know, representative of the owners to a face to face meeting in Arizona uh, on Tuesday or Wednesday. Like, first of all, why wasn't that happening from the beginning? other than, you know, coronavirus concerns. But, like, you know, that was my big thing through the whole problem is, you know, it just kind of felt like they were just lobbing things back and forth through the media. And, like, that was part of why it was so exhausting. It's like, are you guys even talking? Like, it seems like you're talking past each other. So they finally got in a room. The crazy thing, like, the the media releasing things before some of of the players even knew about things is insane to me. But I'm glad that they finally sat down and met, which has actually led to a proposal that came out on, what, Wednesday the 17th. Um, So it led to an actual reasonable proposal. I think there are some things that are still questionable, and I think some fans definitely will not be big into them. But I think it's probably the most reasonable proposal we've seen this far in all of this back and forth. At least from the owners, because it actually looks like the owners are finally saying, okay, we're going to start trying to meet you where you're at instead of trying to get you to come to us. Yeah, because it felt like before it was the players were saying, this is what we want, and then the owners were saying, absolutely not. And there was no like trying to find a, a middle ground. It felt like it was just a push and shove, but never ever finding that middle middle ground, which I think this is as close to the middle ground as we've seen so far, which 
some of the highlights. Well, but, but I'll just say like that was part of my exhaustion watching the whole thing is it just felt like no one was really trying to meet the other. Like they were doing things that made it look like they were trying to meet the other side. Um, but, um, but it wasn't really happening. And so this is actually the first time where it seems like, you know, because the, the owners would be like, Oh, well we'll give you uh, more money, but fewer games and stuff like that. It's like, well, you're not really, coming any closer and the players would be like okay well instead of 114 games let's do 89 games and it's like well again it doesn't look like you're really coming any closer like it, both times it just seemed it, they were head fakes or just red herrings or whatever you want to call it towards coming closer but this we cannot we can talk about it but now it feels like the owners are finally said okay we realize that we have been stepping on rakes uh all week like here's here's something that hopefully can get us closer to actual games. Yeah, and that's the thing like it's finally the the spot where I feel like the players association is actually going to look at this and not outright reject it and like basically it felt like all the other proposals were just kind of laughed at. Like absolutely not. This is ridiculous whereas this one I feel like would lead to maybe a few changes but as a little bit closer to where they should yeah. be, which some of those things are like the highlights um, to me, like it's, a, they're proposing a 60 game season beginning middle to late ish July, like just a little bit past that. I think they're saying like the 19th or the mm-hmm. 20th um, based on a, an article I saw from Yahoo sports, like 60 games is still a reasonable amount. Um, it's, Obviously not the full 162 that we're used to, but 60 games is better than no games, in my opinion. And then they're also talking about... And it's better than 50... It's better than 48 to 52 games, which is... Yeah. What it would have been the unilateral proposal, to. Well, and with it being at 60 games, they're also talking about, you know, postseason and expanding it um, a little bit more than what it normally is for both this year and actually 2021. So I think... That could be a potential win because we really don't know how the pandemic is going to affect this year and next year. Like it's it's not like the pandemic is just going to end one day like it's going to be an ongoing issue for a while. So it's not like, yeah, tomorrow it's over because even if we get a vaccine, yeah, even if we get a vaccine, it's going to take a minute for enough people to get it to where people are comfortable to come to the come to games yeah so So it makes sense that a lot of this impacts both this year and next year um and the other thing is the i think the biggest argument i would say uh between fans is that they're recommending the designated hitter in both leagues for both 2020 and 2021 which Mm -hmm. feels like if that's the case it's just going to turn into a universal dh when they you know, have the collective bargaining agreement expire and have to redo all of that um, and have to right. to negotiate all of that. So it feels like this is the beginning of the universal DH, which I know a lot of people are divided on this. Like it's. Yeah. I, one of my best friends who's a, he's a big uh, Cardinals fan and he, uh, he and I have been chatting and he posted like, Oh, it looks like there's actually going to be an agreement. Like, this is great. And then I posted something in there about how the designated hitter was going to be uh, instituted. And he was like, never mind, I'm out. <laughs> so, like, yeah, people have some strong feelings. Which, 
about the I games? personally am not opposed to it. Like, I think it makes sense. Like, yes, it's... I understand why people don't want it. Um, and I would definitely miss seeing those moments. Like, my, one of my favorite Coors Field memories is the game against the Diamondbacks. I think it was 2018. It might have been 2017. But I think it was 2018. And... We were up like 19 to something mm. at some point, and Daniel Descalso was pitching for the Diamondbacks, and Herman Marquez hit a home run off of him. And that's like one of my favorite yeah. Coors Field memories. And we're not going to have the opportunity for those memories anymore. But at the same time, I would also enjoy watching, you know, a designated hitter if we have a great one and can benefit from having somebody who's really great at just hitting out there. Like, I think Charlie Blackman has some potential for that. I don't know that he would be an everyday designated hitter, but I think he has the potential on days where he kind of wants a little bit of a break from being out in right field. Like, I think seeing something like that, somebody just with a, a great bat, I think would be fun. And, you know, we do see a little bit of the DH when we play uh, American League teams in their ballparks. So, like, it's not a completely foreign thing, but I would miss those moments. But I also am not completely against it like some people. Yeah. I mean, I, I get where people are coming from. Uh, I think there's a huge nostalgia uh, aspect to it, which which I don't fault people for. Um, uh, to, to me, the the evidence is just, just mounting. Like, there's been a couple articles recently um, one by, uh, I believe, Craig Calcaterra, someone at NBC Sports uh, that came out Thursday morning about, like, well, here's part of the case for the Universal DH. And, and there's a lot of good points in there. Like, I mean, you know, if someone, we can put something in the show notes or someone can look it up later. But uh, I, I feel like the, the big question to ask whenever, like, there's a major change is... Uh, like it's a series of questions. It's what is gained, what is lost, and what are potential unintended consequences. Um, you know, what is gained is we stop looking at bad swings, like offense is likely to go up. Uh, the reason it made it into the agreement is because there's been a vocal portion of the union for each of the past two collective bargaining agreements that was trying to get the universal DH in. Um, but the league you know, said no at the time because, you know, that's, uh, that's 15 more, uh, everyday jobs for players, uh, if, if there's a DH. So, uh, so yeah, so like the union likes that idea. And so, so the, again, that's evidence that the league is making some concessions towards things now. Um, but you know, it also keeps pitchers healthy. Like, uh, so, so like, what is gained? Like, there's a lot that's gained. Like, what's lost? You know, a lot of people point to strategy, and it's like, well, how much strategy is really going into it? And, and frankly, like, um, how much strategy is it worth it to go into it, you know? Um, you know, especially since we were supposed to do the three batter minimum this year. Like, um, you know, part of the reason we do see as many pitching changes as we do is because even in the late innings, well, hey, reliever – did well, but you know his spot in the lineup's coming up, and we we need to get generate some runs, and so we're not going to run a re- reliever out there who literally never probably even takes batting practice, right? So, um, 
So to me, like over the last few years, the the what is lost uh, has gotten a lot lower. And the unintended consequences, you know, I don't really know. Uh, the nice thing is, like, this isn't a blind experiment. Like robo umps or the three batter minimum or you know the four pitch walk or getting rid of the four pitch walk. Like we have some data. It's like look at the American League and what the American League's been doing for you know. Uh, an entire generation or two generations now. So, uh, yeah, I, I I know people have strong feelings about it. I I am pretty ambivalent. Like if we kept if the designated hitter went away for the next two years and then came back, or if the designated hitter came for the next two years and then left again in twenty twenty two, like I don't know. I'd have a strong opinions either way, but. So maybe we're not the right people to have on this podcast discussing this right now. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just, I th- I think between you and I, we're like, it's, I see both sides. I don't oppose it. At, like, I'm not like one of those people who are adamantly against it. But I also understand like the nostalgia. I understand wanting to keep baseball pure to how it was. Like, I get all of the sides of things. And there are some pitchers that can hit, which are fun to watch right. when they can hit. But at the same time, those relievers <laughs> don't right. hit very often, if at all. And so it's just, I see both sides of things. And I think that it's not necessarily going to hurt things to have the designated hitter. I think it's going to be just same. fine. Um, I think some people are going to be very upset about it. It's inevitable, but I think will survive. Um, and I think one of the other things that fans are divided on with this proposal, besides the designated hitter is that they're talking about corporate advertisement on the uniforms for both this year and next year, which I understand players are, or um, owners are trying to get some more revenue to help cut their losses. But at the same time, like, that's something that we've never seen necessarily in baseball. There are other sports that do it. Like you, you see that those logos on what is it? Basketball has some, I don't, I don't follow other sports nearly as closely as I do to baseball, but like it, it happens in other leagues. It's not going to be the end of the world. I think it'll be weird at first, but I think that's something that some play, some people are, I've seen say like, well, it's just going to look so ridiculous. And I'm like, well, okay, but is that really the end of the world? We're still getting to watch the right. sport. But you may have a different opinion. I mean, it, it all depends. Like, you know, I've watched some KBO stuff, and, uh, you know, they've got advertisements all over. Like, you know, some of the teams are essentially named after the corporate sponsor who own, owns the team. And on one hand, like, you get used to it. But on the other hand, it, it kind of looks doesn't look good um you get used to it but it doesn't look good but if we're talking yeah so if, so if they do that it's just like uh like i'm i'm not gonna be thrilled about it we'll just say that but you know if they do it like the nba does it um they they have a little just just a little uh but they have a little ad like uh right by the collarbone i guess of of the Jersey on NBA uniforms. Um, and it's on the opposite side of where the Nike swoosh is. Um, and you know, they're usually really small. They fit with the color scheme of the team. Like we're not even talking soccer where like the 
the ad is in the center of the jersey. We're talking like, you know, it's just something on the side. So if that's what we're talking about for baseball, like selling advertisements, like, shoot, I say go for it. Like, it's, um, is it going to make a huge difference? Like, I guarantee by game seven, we're not going to notice it anymore. Uh, so, well, I don't guarantee that, but I'm, I almost guarantee that. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I feel like it's there's pushback. I haven't seen as much pushback on this as I have for the DH, but whatever pushback I have seen, it's like, eh. Yeah, I think it's it's small. Defi- like, the DH is definitely divisive. This is just something that I think it's going to take some getting used to, and it'll all be dependent on the size of the advertisement. Yep. And as long as, like, it's not all over the place when you go and buy, like, a jer- like if as, me as a fan, I go to the team store and I buy a jersey and it's, like, this massive ad on the front or on the back, like, I'm not going to be cool with that. Like, I don't want to buy a jersey that has ads on it. But if it's still, like, kind of a purist jersey when you go and buy them at the store, I think that's going to be okay. It's not going to be, like, an exact replica of what they were on the field, obviously. But I think we'll be okay. Um, so that that's some interesting things. And then, you know, some of the other points, which we've heard about, I think, with a few other proposals, are that they're saying, like, you know, there's the opt-out rights for high-risk individuals. Um, so that way, like, if you're a player with an autoimmune disease or something and you just don't feel safe playing, you can opt out for that. And it, and it looks like, too, that the, if you have a family member who's in a high-risk category, like, it it looks like those people are going to get the opt-out, too. But um, but I think that's going to be – might end up being a sticking point. Yeah, and I don't think a lot of people are going to opt out. Like, I, I'm sure there will probably be a few people, but I don't think that that's going to be a huge number of people. But I think it's smart to do that because this is something that has to be taken seriously. Like, we can't just – laugh off a pandemic so i think that's an important sticking point it goes back to one of the best points that renee made in her article is the players are taking significant physical risk uh going out there and playing now now granted like they're outdoors so the risk of transmission is lower like you know baseball uh you know with the exception of the uh batter and the catcher like players don't often get that close to each other uh and so so there are some things about it where the risk isn't that high, but but they are taking on significant physical risk, and that that has to be considered a factor. Um, and so I understand that MLB doesn't necessarily want to give up, uh, like give a blank check to like anyone who doesn't want to do it, like doesn't have to. But at the same time, like you know, it it's a factor that has to be considered. Yeah, and I don't know if this is like clearly stated because. Based on this, like, I don't, I really don't know, but if somebody opts out of playing, does that mean they also opt out of their pay for the year? Which it's possible that it does, because I know that they are finally talking about doing 100% of the prorated salaries, but if you opt out of playing, does that mean you are also opting out of pay? It's possible, but I don't really know the answer to that. Yeah, I th- I've seen, I've seen a couple different things float out there, so I don't know what this agreement says uh, but I've seen things where you get service time, but you don't get money or, or you get both, but you're like, you're on the DL for like, you have to be placed on the 60 man, 60 day DL, IL, sorry, IL. Uh, I know it's so hard to switch the DL to the IL, yeah. but yeah, so I don't really know. Um, this article that I read, I don't think specified that it basically just says that there is the opt out for high risk people. Right. 
it doesn't necessarily say what whether you're also opting out of pay. I think we'll probably learn those details once an agreement is finally settled, but I think it's smart to have that. You're also talking about like 60 games, which is much shorter of a season, which I know we already talked about, but like that's still a reasonable amount. You're talking about, you know, one of the funny things that they're they're mentioning is like player commitments for broadcast elements, which includes miking of players, which could be very interesting. Yes. Um, I think it was spring training this year when Freddie Freeman was mic'd up for a game and he was on first base and, well, no, he was, he was at the plate and like, he was talking about like, Oh yeah, I missed that one. Like, um, and, and it was really funny. And then like, he was on, he was on base and there's a little looping flare into the outfield. And like, he said like live on camera, like this one's getting down boys. I'm, I'm getting home. Like, and he did, and he scored, like, he read it perfectly. And, like, it was one of those, like, moments of character of Freddie Freeman. Like, that was that was fun. But also just, like, oh, like, there's some baseball smarts going on. And, like, we can see how, you know, he was able to read that perfectly. on Like, uh, knew that it was going to get down and wasn't going to get caught so he could score. And that was impressive, too. So, But I could also see it not being as interesting and maybe a little bit risky, <laughs> in fact, because... Uh, these are competitive games. Like, uh, so who knows how uh, how into it the players would be for for doing something like that. I do think like Nolan uh, made a quote earlier when he was talking about there not being fans in the stands of how he's going to have to watch his right. language just because like the the mics that pick up the sounds of the game itself with no fans you're going to be able to hear them a little right. bit clearer. So I think that's a risk <laughs> language. Right. But and I also just wonder, like, uh, and this is probably more of a conversation for when we actually have an agreement. But I I do think it would be interesting to think about how seriously are players going to take this season. Like, how much of an asterisk is going to be on a season, whether they end up with sixty games or eighty games or something in between. Like, you know, it's not even a full season. Like, you know, if you win the World Series this year, like. What does that mean? Like, should they should they give an alternate trophy because it wasn't a full season? Like, uh, there's just so many different things that like, again, I think that's better better conversation for later. But but it does raise interesting questions. Yeah. So I think um, one of the other big line items of this, which I don't know if I really want to get into it that much, but basically they're asking for a mutual waiver of grievances based on the agreement that Mm -hmm. happened in March. So like, I, I get it. Um, I don't know if I have a a strong opinion formed on that just yet. Um, I could see why the league wants that so that players don't come back and, and sue them later. But I don't know. There's a lot to it because I feel like if you, come to this agreement, it's almost going to negate the agreement they made in March. So I think that's what the whole point of the waiver is. I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of it. That's just like, um, I think both sides think that the other side has been arguing in bad faith the whole time. Um, and so if we get to an agreement, then, you know, hopefully those fears go away. Um, but you know, based on the way things are lined up in the collective bargaining agreement, the players' union can file a grievance if they feel that MLB isn't doing right by them. It's 
part of the agreement. Um, and so would they win that? Uh, you know, there's some people who said like, well, yeah, like here's all the evidence that the owners are at fault and haven't been negotiating in good faith. Um, but there's also reason to think that, that they wouldn't win it. But the owners really want it because uh, if they, the only way to prove their case that they weren't arguing in bad faith would be to fully open their books. And even and so even though I am willing to buy the fact that the owners are going to be losing money uh, without fans, like fully buy that. I think they've inflated it, but I, I buy it. Um, they don't necessarily want uh, the, the players seeing all these different places where they are, uh, you know, funneling their money, I guess. So, uh, so that, so that, so it's kind of a two pronged, like, Hey, we don't, we don't want to risk losing this, but also like, we don't want to risk giving up something that we have in order to win it. Uh, so that's where, that's where it is from the owner's perspective. Um, I think, I think if the owners are going to get that in whatever agreement that they come to, to play, they're going to have to give up a little bit more. Like, they're going to have to, like, instead of saying 60 games in 70 days, they're going to have to go with, you know, 70 games in 77 days or um, or something along those lines. Like, I think that's going to be the major sticking point from the uh, players. Um, and there's going to be other things, but I feel like those other things can be worked out. Uh, maybe that's me just being a little overly optimistic. <laughs> but... Uh, but that's why I'm at with it. Yeah. And we'll see if this agreement, uh, if they come to an agreement based on this proposal or not. I mean, there's probably going to be some changes to it, I imagine. But right now, if the players were to accept it as it stands, they are saying that spring training 2.0 would begin no later than June 28th, which is so close. Ten days away. Nine days away. Eight days away, depending on when you're listening to this. Yeah. So, I mean... The June 28th isn't that far away. So hopefully we'll have an agreement and we'll be able to have baseball. And I actually kind of hope that they do some televising of spring training 2.0 because I think that'll be the start to, hey, let's actually watch some baseball, especially since where spring training had ended, we didn't get to see any, you know, really televised games other than if you were watching one of the other networks because, yeah. you know, AT&T it, Sportsnet AT&T hadn't got to that point. Right. Yes. So <laughs> hopefully we could potentially see a little bit of that, but I don't know because it'll all depend on how spring training pans out, whether they go back to Arizona, Florida, or if you're at your own ballpark and it's just like basically like in like, I don't know, like, what are they called? Exhibition games or something like that where you're having, you know, the players just on two squads. So I don't know. It'll all depend on that. But hopefully we'll see something soon. <laughs> yeah. I'm hoping that this is going to lead us to a place where the biggest hurdles that we have to discuss are how we actually handle having games and travel safely <clears throat> in the midst of a pandemic uh, rather than how much baseball are we actually going to play or and who's going to pay for what blah 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 like uh yeah i'm i'm hopeful i am more hopeful than i was on sunday or monday that's for sure yeah i'm more hopeful today than i was two days ago and that's i mean before tony clark and rob manfred rob manfred met 
Um, I definitely was not optimistic at yeah, all. I was feeling like, like I had to work in the office one day this week and I stopped by Coors Field on my way home and I just, you know, walked around for a couple minutes outside, but I was like, I'm going to shed a tear for baseball because we might not have it this year. Yeah. And things changed just a couple days later. Yeah. So we'll see what actually comes of it. And again, if we lose the season because we get a big spike in a bunch of these areas and like, it's just not safe to do games and to travel, like, man, I'm going to be mad, but it's going to be really easy to know who to blame at that point. Uh, like it's, it's not going to be a matter of, well, whose side do you, are you on? Um, I just hope we can get to that point where that the only thing that could jeopardize the season is um, like safety and canceling the season because they want to be more safe. That's where I'm hoping we get to. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right. Thanks, guys. Welcome back. Um, we know that went a little bit long talking about the proposal, but... One of the things that we also really wanted to talk about was the draft, because that's a big thing that's happened since our last episode. And I think it's actually a pretty important topic to discuss in general. I think the Rockies did a really great job this year. Um, I actually have not followed the draft in previous years as closely as I had this year. Granted, again, I'm not the expert, I guess not again, but I am not an expert when it comes to the draft. I don't follow college sports as much as I probably should, and I definitely don't know much about some of these high school players. I definitely should take time to do research, um, but I have spent a little bit of time researching the players that the Rockies drafted, which according to everybody I have seen, they've praised the Rockies this year, um, I think specifically on their first two picks. Um, Adam, did you pay attention to the draft much this year? Yeah, so it's funny that this is the first time you've really paid attention because um, this is the first year that I haven't paid as much attention to it. Um, there's just there's a lot of other things going on. Um, it was only five rounds, and so um, uh, so I wasn't really into it. And on top of that, Renee and Justin did a great job covering it. Um, so part of the reason I was always super involved with it is because you know I, I was among the people leading the charge in, in coverage, but Renee and Justin did an awesome job just kind of w- wading through, you know, the different mock drafts and all the different, uh, uh, scenarios that w- could happen. And especially Justin had a couple really awesome pieces about like, Hey, here's what the impact of having a shorter draft is going to be both in the long term and for the Rockies in the short term. So because they did such a great job with it, I was able to just be like, guys go ahead like i'll read your coverage like and so uh so yeah this is going to be just as informative for me (laughs) as it is uh um uh yeah as yeah so justin did a really great job um i know he's actually congratulations justin if you're listening uh on being promoted to an editor that's exciting but also he just did a fantastic job and i know renee did as well i just was definitely impressed with some of those perspectives that Justin put out. Um, And Renee did a great job of actually 
covering all of the draft stuff as it was happening, which was great. Um, you know, she has put out the pieces about all of the draft picks, which has been very informative. Um, since I have not really followed all these players closely or any of the mock drafts, it was good for me to see what both of them put out. I think it's, it's helpful. Yeah. I think, uh, especially because it was smaller, I think it was kind of fun because the Rockies could do more, uh, talking about the guys that they did get. And, um, you know, there was more access to guys, uh, you know, from their home, just doing a zoom meeting because, you know, they're not out playing games, you know, they're just at home. And so, uh, so Renee did a really good job covering that. All, all that's to say that the big takeaway from this segment to anyone listening is go to purplerow.com and follow our draft coverage. They, they did a great job, and they're going to give you better information than we could have. Yeah, and when we talk about this a little bit, like there's only been two players that have been signed as of this recording. Um, so we had – what Kate is it Case Williams was signed, I believe, just a couple days ago or yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the undrafted free agent, which I'm drawing a blank on his name. If you give me a second, I can find it. Um, but those two, but two seconds, and I think I have it. Maybe Luke, uh, Luke yes. And then, yeah, Case Williams was signed, which he's a, a local kid, which is cool. Um, Maybe he's the next Kyle Freeland because he's used to pitching at altitude. Who knows? Um, I know he obviously wasn't picked as high as Kyle Freeland was, but that's an exciting signing. And then obviously the undrafted free agent. But I think two of the players that were really excited, at least they were based on the, the Zoom meetings that they had and like the articles that seemed excited to be part of the organization but have yet to sign are our first two picks, which – you know, the ninth overall pick in the first round, which was Zach Veen, which everybody was expecting him to go earlier. So the fact that we got him with the ninth pick, I think, was a big thing. My brother was actually very upset about it because he was like, we don't need another position player. We need <laughs> pitching. And he was like, the next guy, like, we should have picked somebody else. And he just went into this whole thing, which I could see his point. But also, like, Zach Veen has potential to, like, rake at Coors Field. I think he's going to be a great asset if we can get him to sign. Yeah. And then the other is um, who was, he was what, 35th overall with a competitive balance A pick, which was Drew Romo. Um, Both of these guys are out of high school, which is interesting um, in my mind, just because I'm like, I can't imagine going straight from high school to like the major leagues, Uh, which I know it's not like going straight to the big leagues, but it's like, the fact that you go straight from that into, you know, the organization and all that. Like, in my mind, it's it's mind-blowing. I know it happens all the time. I know Nolan did it. Like, it's not abnormal. It's just hard for right, my right, brain right. to grasp, I think. But Romo was actually one of the top picks as catcher. Like, he's uh, a switch hitter. I think eventually when he makes the big leagues, he'll probably stick to – I think the left side is where they're saying he was – more dominant um but the fact that he can switch hit is is interesting we'll see if that sticks as he comes up um if he gets signed and then the fact that like he just was great behind the plate like there's an article from baseball america that like says he's very polished and refined behind the plate which i think 
is actually great, especially because we I don't think we have a lot of catching depth in the Rockies system. So I think adding that and then adding Luke Leisenring are both great additions. Um, those are the two players I paid the most attention to just because they were the the first round and then the competitive balance. So like ninth overall, 35th overall. So those are the, the two big name guys, which neither of them have signed as of this recording. But I know that there's other picks. Do you know much ab- about the other picks, Adam? No, ev- everything that I know about uh, about them has just been from reading the coverage. I, I will say uh, I just wanted to piggyback off what you said about um, – about Romo and that is uh you know the Rockies have been kind of struggling to produce catchers like you could argue like that is part of what put us in the situation that we were in last year where like the catching position was a black hole uh, offensively and you know uh Wolters rebounded pretty well from a poor defensive season the year before poor by his standards um but but at the same time uh it's uh, it's exciting. Like you know, everything that I've read is they they say he's already professional. Like he is capable of being a professional catcher right now. Um, which and everyone admits, like, well, if if all he has to do is be behind the plate, it'd be really interesting if we could, uh, you know, DH any position instead of just a pitcher, and then like, oh, okay, well, Romo can catch, but he doesn't have to hit, and then you know, we can let. Marquez hit for himself or whatever. Well, and it, it would be interesting to see if he will end up being a lefty or a righty or will stay as a switch hitter. Like, I just, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I know that there, the fact that he is a switch hitter is interesting to me as a catcher. Um, I, I feel like that could be a great asset, but also I feel like it's eventually going to be just like one side, which I think they said le- left-handed was his predominant and like he just looked more refined at the plate which we'll see what happens um if he signs so right now like we mentioned that the two that signed were case williams out of douglas county high school um he's a right-handed pitcher so that's great he was the 110th pick overall in the fourth round and then the undrafted and he he wasn't even predicted to be drafted yeah like that was so that was a huge surprise but uh the rockies wanted him and you know, apparently they were satisfied with the fact that he, you know, hit mid nineties on the radar gun um, last year, uh, like at some showcase at some point. Um, yeah, um, I think but yeah. it's a probably an asset that he's a local kid. Um, I think they look at that and say like, hey, at least he's used to altitude. Maybe I don't know if that's like a big factor for them, but I think it's probably somewhat of a factor, whether it's a very minimal one or a big one, but I think those are interesting. So we'll see what happens in the, the next um, couple weeks. Cause I mean, really the signing deadline isn't until August 1st. So we have plenty of time to see if the rest of the guys sign or not, but um, I'm really hoping right. that Zach Veen and Drew Romo sign. I think it's going to be a tough sell, especially with Romo. I feel like Veen was probably like, they probably already had discussions with him prior to and are just kind of settling on things. But um, I heard Romo was going to be probably the harder one to actually get to commit and sign. So we'll see what happens. Um, 
But definitely check out the coverage from Renee and Justin. Those two really did cover the draft well. And as these guys are signing, we'll be updating um, that regularly. So if Veen or Romo or the other McMahon, Chris McMahon or Weatherly, um, and then there's Jack Blumgren as well. So if any of those guys sign, we'll have that updated. Um, So just keep checking back purplerow.com for all of those details and then the last thing that we want to talk about um which has been ongoing since the start of what would have been the regular season is the purple rose sim um it's been a great distraction uh i know it's fake baseball but i enjoy it um i i know you were enjoying it and your what your parents were enjoying it too adam is that what it was yeah, uh, my parents were uh, shocked at how uh, realistic it came across to them. Uh, they were like, you know, until they zoom in on the faces, they're like, oh, yeah, like, you know, this, because we, I figured out how to put it on the TV for them. So, so yeah, they, they were really enjoying it, my mom especially. Yeah, so I hope everybody is enjoying it. Um, we are at a point in the season where we'll see how, it turns out and we'll see when we end based on when all of baseball will come back. But the Rockies swept the pirates, which was interesting because the pirates were in our simulation doing really well. Um, and we swept them. I in think that they ended. were in first place in the central coming into that series. Uh, if not, I think they were. This, yeah. So the fact which, that we which, swept them <laughs> is great. Yeah. Uh, on the flip side, then we went on to face the last place Cardinals, uh, which, you know, the Rockies and Cardinals had essentially the same record and were in last place. The Pirates were in first place. Like, this just goes to show you that, like, ba- baseball's weird anyway, but I, I have a hard time imagining it getting as weird as it did in this, as it did in this sim, just based on those three, those two series alone. The games were normal, but the results are so strange to me. Yeah, like we, we go and sweep the Pirates, and then we go to simulated Bush Stadium and just, you know, barely avoid the sweep uh, by winning the last game. So I think, I mean, I guess it wasn't barely. Score one run in the first two games. Yeah, but. so I think it's it's definitely the most interesting to watch is just seeing, like, the decisions that are being made. Because obviously, if you haven't been following The Sim, um, you may not know that, like, Ben is running all of it, but he's basically letting the computer do everything. So we've done some transactions, but it's been based a lot on like performance in the simulated version and and injuries and different things. But for the most part, like the computer is doing everything. It's you know picking the lineup. It's you know doing that. So we don't know what's going on in uh, Simbud Black's mind, <laughs> aka the computer. Yeah. Uh, so it makes things interesting to watch because, you know, like we've had um, Evan Grills, which it's so funny for me because I just want to keep saying Bear Grills. I don't know why, but like I just need to stop that. But like <laughs> Evan Grills has pitched really well for the Sim Rockies, which a lot of people are like, who's that? Well, after injuries and different poor performance, he, he came up and has performed really well. He actually pitched the last game of the Pirate series when we swept them uh so i think that's fun to watch um and then i don't know like 
one of my favorite parts of the sim and you can totally judge me for this is watching this the, the mascots for all of the, like <laughs> sim dinger is my favorite and obviously like real dinger is my favorite mascot anyway but like sim dinger cracks me up because it's pretty realistic but also i feel like sim dinger is a little bit thinner than real dinger so just little things like that <laughs> that make me laugh oh man that's funny uh yeah i i've always it, it, it's there's some of the little things that's just funny like you know it's a computer simulation so like you know where they put fans like sometimes there's little kids like sitting back in it behind there and but like more often than not it's just like one or two people behind the home plate who are and like they all do the same thing at the same time they're really in sync which like <laughs> man that's uh that's pretty impressive uh, yeah or when you look at like some of the stadiums where you're like this is a monday night game are you sure that there are that many people at a monday night game in like arizona like i'm not sure uh so it's exactly it's fun to, <laughs> it's fun to watch and there are like other nuances of the game that are interesting Um, But it is fun to watch, and it gives us a taste of baseball. And the Rockies are going to be back at Coors Field, which makes me excited because then I get to see Sim Dinger, who's my favorite. Uh, So they're (laughs) – as of recording, today we're recording on Thursday. So if this gets posted tomorrow like I'm planning on, it is tonight's game um, back at Coors against San Diego, which I believe they're still in first place in the NL West. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think we'll I think we'll find out. We'll, we'll find out when, when Ben starts to broadcast. Yeah, but I I feel like they were like they were for a while, yeah. Yeah, I think as of Monday they were. So, I guess it'll depend on how things went this week. But uh we hope that you join us for that. That's one of my things to do on a Friday night. Um I Hope you'll join us. We live tweet those games that are broadcast. So make sure you hop on Twitter and interact with us. Sometimes things get interesting and the conversations turn a little bit crazy, but I enjoy those moments. Um, So we're always there. You can always join the comments on YouTube as it's premiering. There's a live thread of comments. So feel free to hop in and join us on those. But we will be back at Sim Coors. for a game against San Diego, it's a, is it a three game, a three game set? I don't know. Um, I should know that, but I don't off the top of my head, but yeah. I'm like, it, I think so. Cause that would make sense. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, so ignore my ignorance on that one, but we really hope you join us. <laughs> Do you have anything else to add about the sim, Adam? No, I just, uh, yeah, just encourage people to keep going with it. Um, it sounds like we're getting closer and closer to the phase where we're going to get some uh, real baseball to watch. And so, so enjoy what we have while we're doing it. Um, we, we cannot give Ben enough credit uh, for just the job he's been doing. Uh, one, it's just a lot of work that goes into putting together every game, you know? Uh, but two, you know, Ben has uh, like, I feel, I feel like he's gotten better every game, every week. Uh, at calling the games and like managing a one man booth kind of a thing. Like I think, I think he's done a great job. And so uh, if nothing else, it's, it's something uh, fun and interesting to listen to. Yeah. And I think it's great practice for him. Cause that's what he wants to do. Like he just graduated from college and wants to, to do broadcasting. And this is great practice for him since the pandemic canceled his uh, college's season. 
so he didn't get to do yeah. real life play by play. So make sure you guys are out there giving Ben kudos because he's done a fantastic job. I've enjoyed it. Um, I can't catch every game because life happens, but I try to um, every one that we broadcast. So join us. Well, the beauty of it is uh, you can catch, if you can't catch it live, it stays on YouTube. And so I, I almost never catch them live. I'm, I almost, you know, cause I got to put kids to bed and stuff like that. So I almost always watch it uh, after the kids are in bed. And uh, so, so yeah, like don't, don't let not watching it live, live uh, hinder you folks. Yeah, so it's always there for you. Uh, as soon as we get a real season up and going, we won't be doing the sim anymore for obvious reasons. But while we have it, please join us, and we will be interacting with. We have the game threads and different things. So like, follow along the coverage, whether it's real baseball or not. It's still a lot of fun to to talk about, and I think the sim is especially fun to talk about because of those weird nuances that we talked about. So right, we, right. <laughs> we hope you join us and um, thank you for joining us on this podcast. Again, so sorry that we lost that last episode. Um, but thank you, Adam, for joining me because Ben is very busy working on sim stuff. So it's it's definitely great to have you on and provide perspective on things that I don't necessarily follow in depth. Um, so I appreciate you being here. Yeah, well, I'm... Uh... Happy to be given the opportunity to fill some big shoes uh, just for the time being. So uh, yeah. well, if y'all are sick of me, then just keep rooting for games to happen because then Ben will come back into co- his yes. co-hosting role. <laughs> and we can talk about real baseball and not that just too. arguments of proposals. So hopefully this happens. Um, but thank you so much for joining us. And go Sim Rockies. <laughs> Go Sam Rockies. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Affected by Altitude, a Purple Row podcast. 